All right, just straight up audio cast this time. Hey, everyone. How's it going? Back yeah, to man. where we started. I mean, yeah. Back to the regular pod. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was thinking, like, we were talking off air, and we're thinking, like, Zoom cast, maybe regular audio, Zoom, regular, like, just yeah. kind of weave in and out. Yeah. Either way, I want to put everything on YouTube. Because it's so easy. It's so easy for Zoom. Yeah. 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 Either, it's just so one more option where people can find us is YouTube. Good idea. Um, but I wanted to add the story I read that I, I wanted to start with is because it's so. It's just a classic, uh, ridiculous Hollywood story. Oh, it's a Hollywood story. I yeah, I think I was on Hollywood Report or Business Insider. I can't remember what where I read it. I think we've talked about this a lot. Probably on the podcast too, but um, how if movie stars had social media back in the day, like Dennis Hopper and shit, how it would be displayed a long time ago? Like um, that's a cryptic yeah, sentence. How, but how, how how it just wouldn't age how, very well. <laughs> how it would be less romanticized? Oh to this yeah, day. I'd be like these people are like a mess. Bam having his breakdown. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was Bam's in the, a perfect example. If that was in the sixties or seventies, that would have been a legendary fucking rock and it roll would, tale. There would be, well, there would be, it'd be in a dock, and it'd be filtered through the lens of a bunch of people who love Bam and who he is, and be like, "Yeah, man, Bam was a wild it man." Would have been in his late, at. in his early forties, mid forties. They talk about, it, you know what I mean? It, it would have be, been like um, fucking, and anything. be consumed by people who love Bam and want him to be that wild guy. I mean, yeah. I mean, think about how many stories me and you love about Johnny Thunders or uh, yep. Keith Richards that you know are classic, legendary stories that you laugh at. You know, kind of yeah. laughing with the devil. Um, but if you saw him in life, they would have been really sad moments, sad sure. and disgusting moments. You yeah, know, absolutely. And that's what the Bam thing realized to me was like. Seeing it in motion, yeah, it's so sad. But if this was like an article thirty years later in yeah. fucking uh, a rock mag, it, oh, it would have been fucking deadly. It would have been like, oh man, Bam had his breakdown after Ryan Dunn died, and yeah, it was. It'd he, be really romantic. He was drunk and shit. Yeah, Rebel without a cause, James oh, Dean. Oh, absolutely. Um, he uh, he when he went on when Bam went on Come Down. He brought like his baby to like uh, Stav's apartment, I think it was, or wherever they're they're recording it. The first time, he was only on Come Town once. Okay, and it's him, his opener slash guy saying up shows Vinny Beetle, that scumbag Vinny Beetle. Yeah, who like scammed Bam out of a bunch of money. Yeah, yeah, he's so. Oh my God, Vinny Beetle's another story. He's got his whole other persona now. Where, I've, I've seen him in some videos. Yeah, and he's like because of uh, all the notoriety he got from Come Town, like people making fun of him, messaging him. He got so much notoriety from being on Come Town because they made fun of him so bad on Come Town because he'd just chime in with like, "Have you guys seen Big Mouth?" <laughs> and talk about how he loves Big Mouth. And so he, uh, they call him Scumbag Vinny. On uh-huh. the podcast, and he's just rode that fucking elephant into the ground. Where uh, on uh, on Instagram he calls himself Scumbag Vinny, and he's got a podcast called Scumtown. <laughs> what a cunt! <laughs> and he's always uh, he's always like, I guess he's like buying TikToks from Bam and like posting them, like their messages to him and stuff. <laughs> uh, he was the guy you see a lot of him during the cops and saga. What's that? Um, when Bam was mad at Bacopson, his hometown, because they wouldn't let him run a party, his big party that he was going to have. You can right. find it on YouTube, the whole saga <laughs> of all the videos he was posting where he's oh. fucking Bacop! 
Thompson. <laughs> I, there's Scumbag Vinny was on a second time. Bam wasn't when Scumbag Vinny was. He's talking about that whole scenario and how like there's supposed to be who's supposed to fill his hot tub full of piss for people. Like it's supposed to be a hot tub full of piss, and they couldn't get enough piss uh-huh. to the hot tub, so they're supposed to get a bunch of water with yellow food coloring in to put in the hot tub mm-hmm. and. Um, Nick and Stav and them were like, can you imagine how disappointing it would be to go to Bam's place and expect a hot tub full of piss? You're like, oh, this is just <laughs> yellow food color <laughs> and water. Yeah. Like, how sad and disappointing that would be. Yeah. Um, he follows uh, me on Instagram. Scum, scumbag Vinny. Right on. What's up, Vin? <laughs> um, but besides that, I just want and like, okay. But yes, totally. How it's just not romanticized at all. Bam brought his kid to come town. Like, that's really inappropriate and weird. Like, they were kind of right. wigged out by it. Mm-hmm. But this is more... <laughs> like This is like a classic Hollywood, like... Like... It's kind of the scummiest version of Hollywood. And it involves an actor that I really like. Right. Or not the scummiest. Definitely not the scummiest version. Because when you really think about the scummiest version of Hollywood is Hollywood pedophiles. So this is nowhere yeah. near that bad. This is kind of the version of Hollywood where... I bet we don't know the scummiest Hollywood. Yeah. We probably... Scummiest Hollywood is like beyond... Who knows what they did in the Church of Scientology. Yeah, exactly. Not to bash the church, hey, much love. Yeah. Stick your guns, baby. Fight the government. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not good Dr. Neveling for life. Yeah. I'm, gonna, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to say nothing bad about them. Um. But, uh... But... Fuck what was I saying? Oh yeah, yeah. The story you had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just a classic Hollywood where where they kind of go along it's a Harvey Weinstein story, so it's like uh oh, oh. Mm, and this happened to Harvey Weinstein, so in your face Weinstein, when in reality everyone was kind of kowtowing to Harvey Weinstein this whole time. And right. it was like only now that he got brought down that people were like, Yeah, and here's another stupid thing about stupid mm-hmm. Weinstein. Yeah. And it was this Ron Perlman story that I guess is kind of famous now, but he kind of goes into more detail in this article about how he wanted to go to this charity event that Harvey Weinstein was putting on. Yeah. And, um, Perlman's telling the story himself. Yeah. In the, it's in an interview okay. in an article, yeah. but supposedly yeah, it's yeah. Perlman telling the story. And he's talking about how he had to phone Harvey to get an invite to this, uh, like charity, event that harvey was putting on yeah to show and, up to harvey's house and harvey was in the bathroom <laughs> hey, <Ron. laughs> that's how he got sons that's how he got uh, beauty and the beast the true, how'd you get the name pearlman um, <laughs> um so he calls harvey and harvey thought it was someone else that was like a representative for revlon or something and then we found out it was an actor he was just like, oh, fuck. He was, he was just really shitty to him. Uh-huh. Like, how'd you get this fucking number? And yeah, okay, I guess. And then he's like, but when you come, you better shake my fucking hand and show respect. He's saying this all to Ron. Right. And so Ron Perlman tells a story about how he showed up to the event, and then he went to the bathroom immediately and pissed all over his hand. And then he shook <laughs> Harvey Weinstein's hand with a pissy hand. <laughs> And it's like the story's supposed <laughs> to be this. That's fucking awesome, man. But that's, that's the thing. That was like the story was like written from the perspective of like Ron Perlman's the shit and what an awesome guy. But at the same time, 
Could you imagine going to the bathroom and pissing all over your hand, walking around the party was, with a pissy he's hand? He's a real life Brody from Mallrats. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Instead of shitting on his hands, yeah, he pissed on chocolate her. Chocolate pretzeled him from Mallrats. Yeah, fucking lemon scented hand. <laughs> Bad motherfucker. It was, I'm just like. That, this is, is, that is a level of psychotic revenge, right? It's too much. You can't, like, that's not cool. There's, there's no, like, it's like. I would notice you can kind of edit it in an article to make it seem like and then Harvey got his, but yeah, in reality, absolutely. like when you you play that out in the biopic, Ron Perlman pissing on his own hand and then just walking out of the bathroom. You could play that off. I don't, not in a cool way. No, but like a funny mole rats way. They pulled yeah. it off in mole rats, for sure. I would shake. In Jason my mind, Lee's I'm hand. seeing it really gritty, like in the wrestler. Like it's really like it's on ha- like handheld, it's right. really clumsy, and he's just kind of raunchy. He's sort real of serious about yeah. it. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Wouldn't you notice if someone had a wet, pissy hand if you shook he it? He said he noticed it was clammy. Right. That was his thing. That was his whole quote. Is like Harvey knew it was clammy. Mm. But it's like your hand. You got your. I don't know. I don't. I don't see how you're the winner when you're walking around with your own piss on your hand. With a piss-soaked hand. Yeah, and it's weird to see Ron Perlman. I. I want Ron Perlman to have more uh, silent. Sto. Is it stoicism? Is that the yeah. word? Yeah. Yeah. I want him to be more above it all than just pissing in the palm of his hand. Or and... anything to fucking deck him. Yeah. It's Ron Perlman for fuck's yeah, sake. Yeah, exactly. He's not getting hired any Miramax. He's the Pete. He's the beast. Was Perlman in uh, John Travolta's Scientology movie, Battlefield Earth? He might have been, yeah. I feel like he was. Yeah, he might have been. He was he in said, Blade 2. Yeah, as you say, that. He mentions it was right before he filmed Blade 2 as well as went down. Right on. What else was it? <laughs> <laughs> he was Oh, Hellboy, of course. I yeah. loved him in Hellboy. That's how I, that's how I know Ron Perlman. You I were a big Hellboy, beauty and no, beast. No, Hellboy right? wasn't. Wasn't a Weinstein thing, was it? Uh, no. No, it was big studio. Yeah. It was another big studio. It wasn't Weinstein, though. No. But no. Um, you were a big beauty in the Beast fan, weren't you, as a kid? No. I liked the cartoon. Well, yes, I liked the cartoon. That the one was with Perlman? Weird. Huh? I thought you liked the one with Perlman. No. Oh. I, didn't even, I don't even know what that one even looks like. This one's kind of a soap opera one, right? I think so, yeah. I have no idea Kind of makes sense. Oh. Perlin's got like a face for a beast, you know? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I remember mom took me to see it when I was like a little kid, like a oh, little kid. Okay. And I couldn't wrap my head around the concept. And when he went from turning into a beast into a man. Yes. Yeah. I thought he was that man. He died. The beast died. Yeah. And I started crying really loud in the theater and mom would take me out. <clears throat> and then for some reason. I think that's a good metaphor. The beast does die in a way. Yeah. Oh, dude. Well, I mean, I just want I want I want to build a fuck like the big cat monster. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just want to be I'm like, "Can't you just be I think it was like cuz I knew it was going to grow up ugly." That's the I was real. like, "Can't you just fuck the ugly guys? It's so bad." That's the real moral of the story. Why does Beast have to become a human after all? Shouldn't Bell I mean, Bell did love him for who he was, I guess. I guess that does happen. It's kind of well, it's kind of like what happened in Shrek, right? They kind of correct that mistake in Shrek. I mean, they correct. I mean, Right? They do the opposite in Shrek. I wouldn't say they correct yeah, yeah, the mistakes I mean. of Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Maybe to the next generation they did, because this next generation fucking loves Shrek, ironically. Oh, I can't stand when people love something ironically. Yeah, it's, it's When annoying. I see 30-year-old men playing into memes. It's really Retweeting memes and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, ugh. Like people tweeting about whatever Karen is. Karen. Ah, I don't know what it is. It's a new term. They're like, oh, this Karen. 
They're joking about Karen. Like Sex in the City or something? Like that kind of, is it like a it, show It's like reference? a female type. Oh, she's a real Karen? It's like a Chad. Yeah. You know uh, what I mean? Okay, like an archetype? Yeah. And it's like, it's a hot thing. And whenever I see a joke about it, I'm like, are you saying this joke ironically? Because you know it's not cool to joke about a meme. So are you saying it kind of ironically, but not ironically? Yeah. It's like, like, just fuck you, man. Yeah. It's like, yeah, for sure. I hate it. It is, I hate it. it. It's like, um, to me, it's almost like anything else where it's like, iron, like Bacon 64 does ironicism really, or they do is it, ironic, they do sarcastic it in the best shit way. really well. Yes. Come Town does really, it's when it's done bad, which is like most of the time. It's Come done Town bad. You it see it great. online most of the time and it's really shit. Yes. Oh yeah. Even great comedians will do it shitty because it's not their thing. Yeah. Bird, um, Bird's pretty guilty yes. of shit like that. Bert will like kind of play into his brand in like a great cringy way. You're absolutely right where Come Town is probably on par with Mega 64, yeah, and the levels of their facetious that goes down. Where just like Yeah. It just goes down to a deep meaning where you're like with a friend and you know they're good people. So it's yeah. like any love- anything they say you, okay, you know everything they say is like 60% to maybe 40% ironic, but mm. more importantly, you know when they have 100% real tone in their voice. Yeah. yeah so yeah, you know yeah. when everything's supposed to be taken in jest until a real moment pops up. Pops up and then it feels real for sure. Uh, yes. I miss one thing I love about the Come Town dynamic that uh, I don't think Mega 64... I, Mega 64 have it in like a light version for everyone where they kind of just goof on each other. Yeah. Or Come Town just has a straight up punching bag and Adam Freeland. Mm, yeah. I love a good punching bag. Made me laugh so hard the other day. TSD is great with a punching bag. Oh, for sure. Tell when me. they make fun of Q, when they decide to turn on Q. Oh, get him or Mike and Ming, come on. Oh, <laughs> that's the shit. I can't. Yeah, I can. yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> uh, they're fucking making fun of Adam saying, insisting that when he jerks off, is technically <laughs> child porn because his dick's so small. <laughs> <laughs> and it made me laugh so fucking hard. Oh, I love a punching bag, man. Yeah. Oh, I mean, me and you grew up the same way. We had punching bag. We had a punching bag in the friend group. Everyone did. Every like young kid, because kids are cruel as fuck. Yeah. It's and it's like and the punching bag can be such a great role in a friend dynamic. It's like it's the point where like the friend dynamic is completely ruined when the punching bag's not there. Absolutely. And the punching bag is such a stoic character. You have so much respect for the punching bag, and you love them deeply as a friend. Yeah. And you respect them so much for being able to take it day and day again. Yeah, absolutely. Because I can't take it that well. (laughs) No, no, absolutely not. I'm like, yeah, for sure. I'm like, oh, yeah. I definitely, I try to, I try to, and I I think I do on the outside take it well. I just know how well I take it on the inside. Yeah. That's like uh, every sober October on the Joe Rogan experience of Bert is the punching bag. Right. For sure. By Kreischer. Everyone shits on Kreischer. Everyone makes fun of Kreischer. And yeah. even when he got drugged, everyone was like laughing at him. Mm-hmm. And then after already got in trouble for the Kobe tweet, that's when like Rogan and stuff were like, like pretending like they like drugging Bert was a big deal all of a sudden. Yeah. It was bullshit. Um, it was total bullshit. Dino was our uh, punching bag when we were younger. I mean, sometimes you just choose anyone out of the group, right? Um, I've had my turns. Oh, I've definitely had my turns. Hanging out yeah. with, like, Colton and Steve. I've had my turns. Yeah. Um, and it's funny. Oh, it's all in off. good we jest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, me and you were fat kids. That's the thing. Yeah. 
You um, have to lean into it if you don't want. If you're that's the thing. Be, we were good, so it would never. It was like maybe once or twice, yeah. but ninety percent of the time we we're great at deflecting. You know, because we had that fucking because you can lean into it. You can yeah. like you could like almost uh And we had a dirtier mouth too, so we could sh- we could put them in a shock state of stun too. Yeah. And then deflect it quickly and then their brain fucking misfires. They don't know what to do because we just said you, something so nasty. I think you when you approach fatness with like a confidence, yeah. It throws people off their game a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's kinda like the Jack Black technique. I mean, that's why we always got compared to Jack Black. Yeah. Probably. We're here. I would have took Chris Farley. Someone was like, you remind me of Chris Farley. That would have made me happier than constantly beaten down with the Jack Black. Jack Black. I love Jack Black. Yeah, me too. It was just hearing it all the time. Yeah. Once or twice would have been fine. Okay. And then when I got uh, skinny, it was Nikki Six. I got got so sick of Nikki Six until someone, I got fat again and someone called me Chun Li. And I was like, I miss Nikki Six. Yeah, that's a bad (laughs) fall, man. It wasn't even like, he wasn't trying to insult me. Or anything, he was just being sincere. Sincerely thought it was a compliment. Like a child, that's the worst part. Yeah. Um, what, what, what were we talking about? Ron Perlman pissing on his own hand. After that. Punching bag in the group. Dino. Oh, us yeah. Taking our Dino was. Dino, uh. Dino was our punching bag, and I remember just getting relentless on him. Just, I mean, I remember. There must have been times where it's like three in the morning. I remember we must have just put him in such a fucking distressful mental state. Just, just oh, shitting yeah. on him. Have you though gotten drunk and repented for those sins of the people? I have. I had to have. I'm sure. I uh, repented for my childhood behavior. Yeah, I've definitely gotten drunk and thought about it and felt bad about it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I've straight up apologized. I've repented for my childhood behavior two times. I remember, I definitely remember apologizing to Dino and uh, Jacob. I remember apologizing too for my childhood oh, behavior. Was Jacob kind of that too? No, not at all. But I was just a dick kid. I was a kid who uh, would always hog the controller and shit. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. just shit like that, and then yeah. like. Uh, just when I was going through like my that. worst mental state, everything's such a heavy burden on you that, uh, yeah, there, I definitely... You kind of are selfish a bit. I repented. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I could... I've been there. Yeah, absolutely. Or because I was the, uh... I was the, uh... What's it called? The meeting place. Right. right. Your house was the house. So there's like... Yeah, a- so I had this snotty kind of attitude. <laughs> I remember Sean... Wasn't uh, the worst, but... We had a friend named Sean who, for a while, he had a nice big basement. His place was the meeting place. Mm-hmm. And he he would be really shitty with it. Really like, well, if you don't like it, you can get the fuck out of my house. Yeah, <laughs> like, I was never liked that. the littlest thing. I was never like that. Yeah. Uh, that was annoying. But I remember there's this classic story of uh, this guy named uh, Tyrell that we hung out with. And mm-hmm. Sean told... I remember... He was another punching bag in the group. And Tyrell told the story over and over again. Tyrell. Tyrell or Sean was? Sean was. Sean was telling us about Tyrell. Where Tyrell no, who was came. the punching bag, you said? <laughs> What's that? No, who was the punching bag? Tyrell was. Okay, yeah. And he's this redhead, big red fro. Yeah. 
And nice oh, guy. I, I love this story so much. Because <laughs> it just brings me back to being a kid and I can put myself in Tyrell's position. <laughs> yeah. And fucking feel horrible. Tyrell went over to Sean's house once. <laughs> and what, it, what happened is he came over and played video games. Uh-huh. And then... Uh, <laughs> and then Tyrell had to leave after a couple hours. And then uh, a couple minutes later, Sean hears like some scurrying upstairs and the door shut. And then Sean's brother came down and Sean's brother, older brother told him the story about how he came out of the bathroom uh-huh. and Tyrell was in the kitchen upstairs. And he's digging into a sleeve of their Oreos. <laughs> <laughs> and Sean's brother said, hey, what are you doing? He, like, lifted his hands up. And he just took off with the air Oreos. <laughs> it's such a classic, embarrassing, like, fat kid. Like, the Oreos were probably already out. And Tyrell's just like, don't mind if I do. And then yeah. he just gets caught, gets caught literally with his hands in the cookie jar. That's hilarious. Literally like, hands in the cookie jar. Oh, everyone's eating Oreos. I guess I'll, uh, no one will miss two or three. <laughs> She'll think Sean did it. <laughs> and then he sees it. His older brother, like when you're, is probably Tyler was probably 12 or Older something. brothers must have been intimidating. Yeah, older brothers were always intimidating, right? Right. So, uh. Did you ever feel that? Did you ever feel a responsibility when my friends came over? I just wanted to be nice to everybody when they came over. I didn't want to, I've had... I had uh, I, I mean, you fr- were always. I had friends who had older brothers who were real dickheads to us, like really mean and shitty, and I didn't want to be that. Right. So I was just always trying to be nice. Yeah. Um. Anyways, but, Tyrell ran out the door, and then we never. Sean told that story, <laughs> and of course, at school, we never let him forget it. <laughs> like, <laughs> what did he say? What? What? Oh, we were just like. Did he just run home? Yeah, and he just ran home with Oreo. He didn't. He didn't wait for his mom. No, I think he just was gonna walk home. And I think it was a case of they lived a couple blocks apart. Oh, I see. I, I thought he was waiting for his mom. No, I think he's on his way out. In my mind, he's on his way out, and there's just a sleeve of Oreos on the counter, and he's just like, "Don't mind if I do." No one does a little quick, <laughs> like little left, right, quick left, right. No one's around. <laughs> no one's in the house. Yeah, Tyrell's gonna get his. You know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's great. Yeah. It was fucking, <laughs> it was hilarious. I mean, we never let him forget it. We'd like, we'd tell him that like, he'd, we'd have a group thing and he'd want to come but okay, but we're hiding all the Oreos, like stuff like that. We would just never. <laughs> yeah, of course. Oh, years that's and years. Great, that's how nicknames are born. It's like one of those things. It's one of those stories that happened in junior high and it followed them all the way to the end of high school. Yeah. Yeah. It's very rare. That cool nicknames are born. Ironically. No one calls anyone a cool nickname. Well, that's the thing. No, ironically, the friend that you fucking sandbagged the most has the best nickname, Cujo. Cujo. Yeah, Daryl. Daryl was, for me and Aaron. Cujo's a dope nickname. It was like Aaron and Daryl were my two best friends. Yeah. In high school. My Dean and And, Dak. And uh, Cujo was was a definite punching bag. But at the same time, man, I don't think Cujo... I would feel bad, like, talking about getting drunk, and, like, I'd feel bad. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I had a fucking gnarly <laughs> fart right now. <laughs> I feel bad, but I honestly don't think Cujo cares. Like, I don't think Cujo... I hope not. ...thinks about emotions in the same way we do. I don't think it hurts him. I don't... I, like... I, I, I hesitate to say spectrum I love Cujo. Anyone who's hearing this and thinks I'm dogging him, I'm He's not. He's still one of your best friends. Yeah, I... Like, he is, like... 
because of that, he is one of the most unique people I've ever met. Like, Cujo yeah. doesn't give a fuck what he says to anybody. Like, he met in, in the like in in ways that feel rude in the moment, but then you're just like, that's just Daryl. Yeah. Where uh, and yeah, his name's I Cujo. Think, I, think I gave him told, the name Cujo. I think you told that story about the. Uh, where your boy was up with the metal band. Yeah, and he's just she, like, he it would be really lessons. great. If you, you just got to learn how to sing, man. <laughs> just a total sincerity. Doesn't. How did Cujo come about? I think it was that was me because we I started a band with Aaron and Daryl. Oh, it's and just I was like, nickname. we gotta have names. We gotta have cool names like Kiss, Jet Boy, Cujo, and Animal. Yeah, I named myself. I broke the cardinal rule. Yeah, I said I'm Jet Boy. <laughs> I call then, you Jetport. And then I named Cujo Cujo. I can't remember why. I think there was literally, we had like the Stephen King book in the house. And I was like, this is cool, Cujo. Boom, you're Cujo. Yeah, For some why reason, is it Cujo? I think it was literally just because I had the book in my room at the time. Right. And I was like, Aaron was easy. We called him Animal because of Animal the Muppet. Yeah. And we're like, your nickname's going to be Aaron Animal Rounds. Does anyone. And I think it was Cujo because his last name is Coots. So Cujo Coots. Does anyone else Aaron call him Animal. Cujo besides me, you, and Dad? I don't know. Does Aaron call him Cujo? It. Huh? Does Aaron call him Cujo? Aaron calls him Cujo. I think. No, I think I call him Daryl now. Oh. Oh. I think I think it depends. Like, so it's just I me. think we're all me. So it's just me, you, and Dad who have nicknames. I, I think. I, well, Daryl's name was Cujo for a long time in high school, for sure. And that's still his just name. like we used to hang out with three different Aaron's. Yeah. So they all went by their last name. Yeah, Rounds. Rounds. That's, that I still call Aaron Rounds, Rounds. Oboe, and uh, Link. No, fuck Aaron's. Rounds, Oboe, and Thompson were all Aaron's. Yes, Thompson. Yes. Um. But yeah, so for a while his name was Cujo. I think when we all get together and we drink and stuff, Aaron falls into calling him Cujo. But it's funny because it's like lately we've been getting together to play Champions in Norath and now Diablo 3. Um, yes. We don't do it anymore because of social distancing. But I got some video game talk later too. Yeah, cool. And, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, we just fall into those old roles again. Yeah. We fall into shitting on Cujo, and Cujo is so. The way he. And it's totally sincere. It's also, it wouldn't be, if it wasn't sincere, it wouldn't be funny. But the way he sticks his foot in his own mouth is. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, it's. It's, it's golden. I, I wish I could. I, I would tell him the podcast, but I, I don't want to do it. I, maybe when he's here and he does a podcast. Yeah. I can, yeah because like, it's, we, I don't want to misrepresent him because I can very easily do that by just giving a straight quote of what he gotta said. we got to have Daryl on. Even yeah. through Zoom. Get him down with Zoom. Yeah. You and yeah. Daryl and Aaron, man. Yeah. That'd be amazing. He's never been on the podcast, has he? Never. The first podcast I did in Dawson, I did it with him and Aaron over 10 years ago now. Right. In the greenhouse. And it just, I never aired it. Right. It was like my first attempt at doing a podcast before it actually stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been watching a lot of things lately. Let's go That's into what that. you do in a, in a pandemic. Let's go to... Uh, Can we... I just say? Yeah. Hanging around doing nothing. It's been pretty easy. I'm not going stir crazy. In a weird the way... The pandemic's I... getting to you a little bit, though. It's not the pandemic. It's not the staying in. 
It is no, not the staying in, but it is the fear of the disease. Yes, the existential crisis of the plague. Yeah, the idea of getting sick and dying. Yeah. Oh my God, you told me the other day. <laughs> I don't think you expected it to hit me that hard. I didn't, because I said it offhand, <laughs> and I said it like in a joking matter. I think you brought it up on the last podcast a little bit. Did you, or did I no. tell you by then? I no, said, you, did, you hadn't told me that at that oh, point. Oh, I said it like in jest, like, because it already happened. By the time I told you, it already happened like a week ago or something like yeah. that. Just like, hey, you know the guy from... Uh, Fountains of Wayne. Fountains of Wayne passed the away? The bass player. The bass player, right. I said it as like, you know, just trivia, because like yeah. Stacy's mom and stuff. That is before I remembered he wrote that thing you do. That thing you do is a sick song. Oh. Uh, sick soundtrack. I mean, amazing soundtrack and amazing movie. One of the best movies about a band. I'd also recommend his WTF. You can find it on YouTube. It's really good. Right. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we can talk about how he's an actual cool guy and everything. But I said it offhand to you and like, anyways, yeah, what did I do and then to you? you? And then we, we were, were watching, watching Westworld and I just turned to you and I said, oh yeah, hey, guy, Fountains of Wayne guy. Fountains guy died. I don't think we were watching Westworld because it was just a couple days ago. We were probably watching Jackie Brown, which I want to get into yeah, after this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. We're watching Jackie Brown, and it put me in a, such a spiral because I'm like, immediately, because I have diabetes, so it's like the idea of getting sick scares the shit out of me because I'm like, though, it's a fucker to people who have diabetes. Would you say hype? And like, if you look at the yeah, for sure. Uh, hypochondria. Hypochondrial. Hypochondriac, but hypochondriacal. It's it triggers my hypochondria, yeah, for sure. And it's like I wonder if there's and, a way but to it's use like because like you look at the statistics, and I think based off of what I've read, you're only really in trouble if you have diabetes and it's out of control, and your blood sugar level is just skyrocketing all the time. And the corona is a pretty random thing too. It's also because like, two days before I told you Franz Wang guy died, I told you about that 99 year old that got out of the fucking yeah, he was in recovered. a nursing home and he completely recovered and he's doing fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but so it is weird. It is like people, the weird thing is it's such a new disease. No one knows how to react. It's pretty random disease. Yeah. But he told me he died. And first thing I think is like, I got to see what did, what pre, did he have AIDS? What kind of pre-existing condition? Please tell me it was full Something blown to AIDS. comfort you. I remember sounding ridiculous talking to Jamie. I'm like, this disease is worse to people with diabetes than it is with people with full blown AIDS. How is that possible? <laughs> How is that possible? How are not more people with full-blown AIDS dying? Is that what he said? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, how are people with Magic Johnson still fucking alive? <laughs> that was amazing. One of the last shows uh, Ari Shafir did, He uh, they posted it online, and it was like he's talking about basketball, NBA shutting down. This is right at the beginning of the coronavirus craze. And uh, talking about the NBA shutting down, and he's like, because of because of coronavirus and he's like magic johnson must be looking at all these motherfuckers like i played with full-blown aids in the <laughs> 80s <laughs> like no shit <laughs> me and dad always bring that up like man what a bad motherfucker also, we always turn to each other be like he's still alive yeah on, he's still on, got aids uh, yeah on bonfire they always talk about how like he must have been like extra good on the court because no one probably wanted to touch him at the time especially in the middle of <laughs> midst of the AIDS crisis like no one's getting no one's getting sweated just, on well, yeah it's slow motion him no just sweating beads the idea of like playing defense on a guy with full blown AIDS when you know nothing about the disease I don't think he actually played when he had AIDS did he yeah 
Nice. That was that was the thing they're talking about. With, like he had full blown AIDS and he played. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know he was still playing when he had full blown AIDS. <laughs> yeah, that's too much. <laughs> he should have got like severance pay leave. <laughs> um, fuck. What was I saying? Oh, we're talking about uh, you telling me the fountains of Wayne guy, and uh, but then I was like, okay, what are his pre existing conditions? Tell me it's full blown AIDS. Tell me oh. later that night. Tell me, sorry, I broke something and fuck, sorry, bro, I broke your shelf. Um, <laughs> hang on, I was glued on there. I was, anyways, all right. I think it was nailed on. <sighs> anyways, um. Now I can think about this the shelf. <laughs> the fountains away. Anyways, the fountains away guy spiraled yeah, you, man. It really hit you hard because he had no pre-existing conditions. He was just a healthy fifty-year-old, fifty-two-year-old man, and he looked good for fifty-two. Yeah, he didn't look like he wasn't like Rogan or anything. Like he was kind of chunkier and stuff, but he looked fine. Yeah, he was a normal fifty-year-old. I mean, better than it was normal. One of those things you know? where, like, I remember when the Stacy's mom video came out. Like, I remember it being. That's the big. thing. A Stacy's mom is still feels like such a new hit that it's. That's why it's funny to me because, like, yeah, Fountains Wayne guy died. Well, who the fuck expected that? Yeah, exactly. And it was like he seemed so young. And I remember specifically he was in a band called the Tinted Windows, with uh, Bunny Carlos from Cheap Trick, and it was the guitar player. From Smashing Pumpkins, the original line of Smashing Pumpkins, and it was the, the singer, Asian-looking guy. The, he, the, he was Asian. <laughs> he was, he a, was Asian. Well, yeah, yeah. He wasn't just Asian-looking. He was Asian. Um, I'm picturing the guy who's in all those movies. He was in Inglorious Bastards, and he plays the Asian guy in uh, Not Another Teen Movie, and he's in Inglorious Bastards. I, I don't even remember oh. at all. But um, I'll have to look it up. Um, but uh, and the lead singer was the old lead singer, from, the middle child from Hanson. That's insane. That was a crazy band. But I remember because I was, Bunny Carlos is a fucking legend. Gotta be one of my favorite I, rock drummers. When I was fucking around with that Trisha girl, um, she lived in GP, and we were into the Tinted Windows a lot. We'd listen to that album a lot. Mm-hmm. Driving back and forth from Grand Prairie, right. It was it like they did they only have one album or were they just one album big, right yeah one album they burnt out but uh, it was a good album it was a fun like pop rock album I was thinking about like that and how connected I was with that that and it was like I was thinking about how young he looked back then and it was like mm-hmm. I guess that was ten years ago when I was listening to that almost now yeah which is crazy I was probably like twenty when I was in Tinted Windows this guy he's Asian. No, he plays an Asian guy, not another teen movie. He does? No, he plays a guy who wants to be Asian. Sorry. <laughs> 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 okay. I was like, he looks very Jewish. Um, he's definitely a Jewish guy. That's why he was in Glorious Bastards. Um, Sam Levine, he was on fucking, what's it called? Freaks and Geeks. Freaks and Geeks, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, he's a good actor. Um, oh, okay. I remember that. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I was thinking about like pop songwriting and how people who are song like he was a songwriter, but he was a pop rock songwriter mm-hmm. and how that doesn't get out like cheap trick yeah. style where it's like amazing popular than cheap trick. I'd say. Yeah. Kind of like Stacey's mom is a like, I would say almost like a straight up cars rip off. Yeah. Oh yeah. I can see that. Like, uh, 
but then like that thing you do and stuff which is still just like pop rock but it's in the style of like the 60s it's great and it's it's fucking catchy song and it's just like people i feel like people don't respect that style of writing enough because they feel like it's like bubblegummy kind of teen thing that thing you but do, that's actually a really hard style of music to write also that thing you do is probably the only fictional song that i actually liked yeah you know what i mean yep the only yeah. song that's been in a movie that's for, supposed uh, to be like a fictional band that's supposed to be from a band so many of those are crummy bullshit I mean, songs. you can't remember any of them they're done in a second uh, that thing you do as much as i is love a genuine good one yeah as much as i love getting the greek not a big fan of any of those songs, really. Oh, they're like, uh, they're fucking Weird Al Yankovic songs. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. They're kind of, they're so jokey. Yeah. And we would, uh, me and Daryl and Aaron were watching that movie a lot. We probably wouldn't listen to it. Yeah. But it was completely tainted by our love of the movie. Whereas, it was like, the only reason yeah. why, the only reason why we listened to it is partly in jest, partly because we liked the movie. Yeah. That thing you do, you can air guitar to. I think you do is a great song. Yeah. I love that beat to this day. That boom, ba, ba, boom, ba. That it's a great beat. And then just today, uh, just today, just today, just today. I was telling Braden how um, I always thought that song had a brilliant brace, bass line, and that's because I just noticed that it was written by a bass player. That's why the Fountains of Wayne guy was the bass player, but he was a songwriter too. Yeah. Um, but he played bass because. You know, he's a real low Almost OG. like a nutrition of Paul McCartney or something like that. It's like how astral signs relate to your character. Mm-hmm. Your instrument totally relates to how your you character. Write. No, to your character in general, I think. Oh, okay, okay, I got gotcha. you. know, yeah, yeah, yeah. the bass player, the drummer, the lead singer. Right, right, right. They're all very distinctive character types. And of course you can do all four and stuff, you know. Mm. But it's like a RPG chart where that'll be like, two that are the main you know or three that yeah. are the main there'll be a lenient curve but one will always be the center thing you know for sure where it's like jerry nolan was a drummer and yes. it's like he yeah. has that you know keith moon fucking um uh randy castillo randy castillo uh zeppelin um, uh bonham bonham you know they that kind of like they, they kind of drummers. embody this like crazy guy persona crazy guy not outspoken yeah, yeah you yeah, know yeah, yeah. um and bass players have that too, where bass players are often seen as like, you know, the quiet, quiet almost reserved. philosophy guys, you know, yeah. very, um, yeah, very intellectual, like stay at home philosophy guys, almost reserved, reserved or completely off the wall crazy. Yeah. That's absolutely. the thing. Yeah. You know, you're either like reserved or you're Dita Ramone or Phil Lynott or Sid Vicious. For sure. Which is yeah. a like complete extrovert, but also has that side where they spend most of their times like indoors. It's like a loner, loner thing. Very to it, loner thing to yeah. it. Yeah. Lone wolf. Yes. And the singer gets all the girls and the guitar players, the fucking talent, you know? Yeah. Guitar players, guitar player and singer. There's this, if it's just a singer, singer, there's like almost always this, it's like cliche dynamic at this point where the singer gets all the attention and the guitar player wants all the attention, but he's not the singer. No. But he wants, and there's always like this kind of back and forth, but there's this, the trade-off to those archetypes is the guitar player has a little more talent and a little more songwriting chops than the singer. Absolutely. He's got a little more substance than the singer. You Absolutely. know what I mean? He's got more That's grit. That's the Keith Richards, Mick Jagger dynamic mm-hmm. almost. You, know? you can, and you can feel that when you're playing live music too. Yeah, as a bass player, I feel way more comfortable with the drummer. I feel right. way more right, comfortable. Right, right, right. I felt way more comfortable fucking around with Steve or whoever, you know, and like looking at them on stage. 
Whereas a guitar player and the lead yeah. singer, they have their dynamic. They're playing off each other. Right. You're David Bowie and you're fucking uh, Mick, you know? Yeah. You're yeah, Mick yeah. Ronson and David Bowie. You're playing off each other. You're slash Axel, you know? Yeah. Where nowadays you're playing away from each other and shit like that, apart from yeah. each other, but still against with that energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas the, the drummer and the bassist... It's a classic rock and roll dynamic for sure. Absolutely. And the drummer and the bass... The drummer and the bassist have their dynamic, too. Yeah. And, uh... Nikki Six, Tommy Lee. Yeah. Uh... I don't know if there's much of a dig- dynamic between... I, I never th- got um, that dynamic from Vince Neil and Mick Mars. No. There's never... A- no. <laughs> I mean, point to any other band, though. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. I could think of two people more far apart that are in the same band. Right. Uh, I always think of the father, the grandfather of bass, the god of bass, being the ox. Being John Entwistle, yeah. Yes, totally. he looked like Modern Jesus. Modern rock bass, for sure. Yeah, he looked like Jesus, and he fucking played way more technical than i ever could want you know yeah yeah and but like, and uh but that goes back to mr schlesinger who died yeah yeah yeah. and that sent you down a spiral yeah yeah and while i was, while I was going there was like there's no pre-existing conditions there's nothing he was just 52 and he caught this and the thing i was bone chillingly scary to me was that uh they put him on a ventilator and they sedated him mm. to res- to facilitate his recovery and he died. Fuck. And the idea of getting put under and not knowing if you're going to wake up? No. Fuck that. That 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 is terrifying to me. Yeah. That's almost as terrifying as dying. I get you. I mean, I get that. That's an existential thing. I get that. That's like fading away in your dreams. Yeah. You know? No, yeah, no way. I would want, I'd want to die kicking and screaming in pain, but still awake. The idea of losing, con- like purposely losing consciousness to die. Can I ask you a question? No way. I already told Jamie if I get it, and they put me on a ventilator. Hey, I, I, I said I told her I was like, do not let them pull the plug. No I know matter. What, I don't care if my lungs are filled with confetti and fucking that. corn pops. Yeah, keep you on like, for keep years. Me on. Yeah, dude. yes. Uh, I remember that. I'll, I'll acknowledge it. I was going to ask you, uh, what's your philosophy on all that shit today? On what? On death in the afterlife or higher powers, anything. I'm still like full on atheist, feel like nothing happens. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, like I the most convincing. Even when you thought you were dying on mushrooms? Yeah, even when I thought you I was don't dying, think that's what death is like, actual death. No, I think like your brain could probably do some fucking weird things when you're dying to like just help facilitate your body going. Yeah, but that's partly why I'm scared of death so much is I don't want it to just end. Like fuck that. Yeah, fuck that shit. And I, it's not even because it was like I would like to believe that there's something else. Right. And it's like, I used to not be like, I used to be such a hardcore atheist in my early 20s that I'd be like, I don't even want there to be an afterlife. Fuck it. And it's like, no, I definitely wish there was an afterlife. I do not want to just sink into the abyss. Fuck that. That scares the shit out of me. The idea, and I know it's not going to hurt or anything, but the idea, it's right here. The idea of not existing, no way. No fucking way. Harry Dean Stanton from, uh, it was that actor I showed you that movie of. Paris, Texas. He's yeah, an actor yeah, in that. Yeah. That's what he always talked about, the great beyond, that black void of when you were before you were born of black nothingness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's he was his main that was his big fear of death too. 
Yeah, and uh, it's, uh, yeah, nothing. No, fuck, yeah, just nothing, and not even knowing that you're in nothing, just being in nothing, and it's like you'd think I'd take better care of myself. But. <laughs> <laughs> I it's love like, it. I, it's like I love last, that you still think that. I but it's like it's scary. It gives a shit of me, and it's like. Uh, And it's like, I don't want it to be the case, but it just feels like it's the most likely case. Right. Judging off of this cruel world and how things tend to work. Right. That's interesting. It sucks. I don't like to think about it. That's interesting. But I mean, like, I remember one thing Pete Holmes said, because Pete Holmes has like a death portion of his podcast. Mm -hmm. I mean, it used to. I think Pete Holmes' podcast is just a complete, completely different from what it used to be. It's like, Pete's gotten... He almost got weird, man. He got really weird. just on the he's he's interesting. He, no, he still seems as I, I should rephrase. He seems as normal as ever. He's still funny and stuff. I've listened to a couple of his podcasts recently, but there is this like weird quasi religious thing that he's got going on where he's got like cool pastures on and stuff like people who have like their their oh, own no. sp- LA spiritual version interpretation of Christianity uh, where it's like very inclusive and cool and accepting and oh that's so Pete Holmes yeah. he shouldn't fall to that and it's like I miss the days of Pete Holmes when he was drinking yeah and talking about being in open relationships and it was all bullshit and I miss disillusioned Pete Holmes. And now it's like, it feels like he's trying to nicely push Christianity on you every right. once in a while. Like he talks about not, uh, it was an interesting conversation he had with Moshe Kasher where he's just like, he doesn't watch porn anymore. He's like semi against porn. He thinks it's a bad thing. And it's crazy. And, uh, Moshe's like, yeah, but what about, he's talking about how like, it's just so much more fulfilling that now that he doesn't watch porn. He gets much more aroused during sex with his wife, and it helps that and stuff. Comes in two seconds. Yeah, yeah, just jizzes. <laughs> uh, but then Moshe brought up the the things like, but what about those people who are like legitimately just gross or ugly, and they can't fuck? Yeah, and that's like their release, and yeah. it's like he didn't really have an answer for it. You know what I mean? It yeah. doesn't it doesn't take into account all lifestyles, really. Yeah, I don't, and I'm very pro porn. I don't think pro porn's a bad thing. No. Um, I think most people would agree with you. Uncomtown is so funny because Gavin McGinnis, like that right wing sort of Christian comedy, not Christian comedy, but right wing comedy, Gavin McGinnis. Uh, he used to be Owen Benjamin, but not, but like I, he's so off. Owen was off on his own t- thing. Yeah. They couldn't even call him right wing anymore. Yeah. Uh, but uh, also um, Stephen Crowder, Gavin McGinnis. Those people have this like no masturbation, anti-porn sort of thing. They do have that. That's yeah, a lot. Yeah, no masturbation. Like, well, Gavin, you know, you know his big Proud Boys thing, his group. Yeah. They got in trouble for that was part of the deal about being in the Proud Boys. You couldn't jerk off. You got max. No wonder they were so angry. He got maximum one jerk a month. What? Yeah, and it was like on Come Town. They're talking about like. Oh man, it's jerking off just centers, centers you. You jerk off and you're like, it's like you you reset back to zero. You're like, okay, I'm, oh, I'm good. That's part of the id. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. part of your id. Yeah, for sure. And it's like, you're like, okay, I'm good. And then they're, it was so funny on Come Town. They're talking about all the Proud Boys just dying of uh, prostate cancer years down the line because yeah. it's supposed to like stave off prostate cancer. Right. Masturbating, like it's like kind of milking your prostate to some degree when you jerk off. Yeah. I thought that was pretty um, funny. Fucking, um, that's ridiculous. That's yeah. part of your id. I mean, the thing, the way I see it is you got to take all things into account. I feel like that's my, uh, spiritual thing. 
Um, I, I mean, it's closest to Buddhism. I take the closest off, like, Tibetan Buddhism. Right. As far as afterlife and stuff goes. Yeah. But my main uh, philosophy and all, all this is that, like, all these stories should be taken into account as what these people did experience and what they took away, you know? Mm-hmm. And then all be added together and then what that means, you know? Because, like, okay, yeah. maybe they're all separate deities. Maybe these people saw these people, you know? But what does it all relate to as humanity? What were they tapping into in the human consciousness? Because I believed in, like, I believe in an overhead shared consciousnesses, you know? Yeah. I believe you can tap into other thoughts and shit. Or right. There's a zeitgeist, at least, you know? Right. Where an idea does just become popular and everyone's thinking about it at the same time. That's why yeah, movies yeah, that, get released that at the same happened. time. That's like zeitgeist is definitely something that happens for sure. Yeah. It's re- I guess that's the reason. Yeah. And so I believe like one day might be all explained by science, right? But mm. it's just, you know, like radio waves going through brain waves kind of ex- going through whatever. Anyways, that's not the important part. But um, but I believe you have to take all of that into account and see what it's turned into. Because I believe in evolution. Right. I believe in all that. But I also believe in higher powers right. or a higher power. Right. I'm not really sure, but I believe there's definitely something else, you know, and I believe it does go on in a certain way. Right. You know, I can believe it also. Hope you're right. I also believe it cannot go on. Right. There can be an ultimate destination, but there can also be ultimate freedom too. final destination. Right. And 90s. The 90s. The 90s. Fucking death, no matter what. Yeah. And I think Classic maybe that's what ultimate 90s. What would you class final destination as? Oh, that's like 2000s. No, but what genre movie was that? Thriller? Horror. No, that's horror. That's Fallout Horror. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Final Destination tries to go for full horror. They got music uh, and everything. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, all that took into account, you know, that's almost like the hell light. And heaven light. Heaven light is reaching enlightenment and then almost just being this free brainwave, you know, almost just becoming a brainwave out in the cosmos traveling around and shit. And I believe in the human body just being like a shell to harness all that. But mm-hmm. um, I love that you don't. I yeah, love no, that you don't. I think like I get it. And I get like the zeitgeist thing happens and stuff. But I think that's just because uh, we're all sharing the same planet and roughly the same internet. Yeah. From time to time. And we're all looking at the same bullshit. And just like when an idea catches on, who knows why it catches on, but it does. And I think like you can almost look at that as... um interesting in its own way almost like a beehive or something like that yeah it's no more different than when a beehive yeah or like when a group of ants find an ice cream cone and everyone floods to the ice cream cone right you know what i mean it's like yeah. similar thing that was but like that's kind of what my mindset got into a few years it's like okay why a beehive <laughs> it got yeah. into that if you it's not that bad anymore Brie, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. but a few years ago it was taking symbolism into everything right what's a beehive is that like a pyramid Okay, why did they build the pyramids? Why did they build the pyramids in Mayan and in Egyptian? What did this sculpture mean? Right, just like weird, uh, like phenomenons of back in the day, like architecture. Why they're I love, I love, but I also I think there's like reasonable explanations for that. I feel like a pyramid, a pyramid is like a very basic structure. It's just a triangle, and kind of it almost makes sense that like. Yeah, I don't know. And the, it's like, it seems like an easier thing to build. You start from the wide bottom, and it's easier to build to a point. I mean, you know hey, what I mean? That's what I love about it is I also, I know that. You know, I mm. also have that in the right side of my brain, too. Tell me right, all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's more of, like, I choose to uh, humor 
humor that side you right. know because the thought of like being nothing almost just like scares me even more yeah you know so it's almost like the nothing I, thing is that's the most uncomfortable there's nothing comforting about the atheist position no and i think all. if you're alone other or, than the fact that this is one life he gets so enjoy it yeah exactly you know um, um but uh as a loner i think it's funner to humor that kind of stuff for sure it makes your life a lot more interesting you know yeah and uh it's not good if you're like a schizophrenic and you start seeing patterns and everything yeah i know then i then, think that's like that's almost like a. uh like and, sam harris would say that's a bug not a feature then yeah where, where it turns into like uh a person's ability to see patterns is a feature is kind of how we got to where we are as a as a, as a race yeah as the as human race is like a species i guess is a better word mm-hmm. but then when you start when you turn to schizophrenia and seeing patterns and everything that's when it turns in from a feature to a bug yes yes and it kind of fucks everything and that's out. kind of where my my spiritual reality lies is this weight balance that's what all right. of it's about light evil good dark it's now, a weight balance yeah now i want to switch the conversation to something way lighter jackie brown no well we'll go with jackie, okay, brown, we'll go jackie but, brown but i have a question for you that i want to kind of turn around. yes I'm, I'm doing the class thing where there's a question i want to answer so i'm gonna yeah. ask you first yeah. Deal. <laughs> i think Deal. we're both uh masters in that art but yeah. um because I'm also going to, because your bathroom's right here, so I got to pee. So I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to listen to your answer okay. while you talk to about it. Yeah. Um, I want, like, your favorite, as a young kid, your favorite action figure toy that you played with the most. Okay. Does it, uh, action figure or just any toy? I mean, I'm thinking more action figures. I'm thinking characters with bendable appendages. Okay. Easy. Like classic. Okay. Easy. That goes to my love of Lord of the Rings easily. Um, yeah, I don't know. Once I fell in love with Lord of the Rings, I already loved action figures as a kid, and I wanted the most realistic ones. So I was into, like, the Todd McFarlane, um, you know, soldiers, or the Todd McFarlane, just, like, movie action figures. I think I talked about how I hated the Candyman and, like, the horror action figures because, uh, yeah, it was just... I almost had that conservative part of me where... Uh, I like I like that happy days part of life and that almost suburban life. So like going to Zellers with my dad and getting an action figure, you know, I, I was into the good guy winning and the bad guy losing. So I didn't like the idea of buying an action figure Candyman, but like I would get Neo action figures and everything. But when the Lord of the Rings came out, the movies, saw the movies in theater, loved it, became a phenomenon, loved it. You want to mix us another, just a shot? Yeah, sure. Um, I, know, I know what you're going to say. Yeah. And I'm just going to say on top of it. Your era of action figures were so much more detailed and cooler than my era of action oh, figures. Oh, intensely. Because it, it looked like the people. It looked like the actual actors and stuff. And when it Lord of the Rings came out, they started making action figures of every character. Every side character. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my favorite would probably have to be... Because uh, I, I got all of them. Because I'd ask for action figures for Christmas. Everything. I was a big action figure kid. And Hot Wheels. Right. Um, sadly, I grew out of that because action figures, I still have a few of them. And like, I'm looking back at them like, oh, they were great. I would also get music action figures of uh, musicians and stuff because mm-hmm. I like the realistic shit. Mm-hmm. But that being said, my favorite would probably have to be the Lord of the Rings. And if I had to pick a specific one, I'm going to go with either Aragorn 
Or like Frodo. I think just classic Frodo. Frodo is an action figure you'd like? I feel like Frodo, yes. there's just not a lot of action going on there. What do you do with Frodo as like in the story? But that's the thing. Frodo, I related to the most. So I can <laughs> like, I liked him the most. And he had Sting with him. He had a, he had his cloak he could put on him. And that's a nice true. rubber cloak, you know. It was all detailed. And I had Sam. I had Merry and Pippin. Oh, no, wait. Wait a minute. My favorite was Armored... Mary and Pippin. They're battle uniforms. Oh, they had armor like a ta- armor you could take off and put on? I had them in Fellowship of the Ring. I had all the four would hobbits you, in Fellowship you, of the Ring. W- but w- What would you give to have those action figures back? Your mm. action figures, like you kept them. How amazing would that be? Wouldn't you love that? I would absolutely love that. I'm thinking about what I would trade. I'd trade... I would, I would, I'd probably, I would think about it. I'd trade a lot for those. Yeah? Yeah. But as a kid who wanted to play with action, I love the Return of the King version of Merry and Pippin. Yes. Because they were both in their action uniform. Yeah, uh, they, had, they had the armor and they had the sword and stuff. I was a kid. I related to the Hobbits and stuff. I love right. the Hobbits. They're right. my favorite characters. That's why yeah. I love Frodo the most. I right. still, in hard times, relate my journey I, to I Frodo. Love, I love, uh, for me, uh-huh. because I was like a fat teenager when I was coming out, I related so hard to Gimli because he was the fat character. In the three- <laughs> <laughs> in the fellowship so i was like i guess i'm gimli i'm gimli's my favorite do you remember those toys how detailed they were they were they had, like incredible. flowing robes um yeah. legolas had like a work it was like a bow it was just yeah. like a real bow and they're so much. the plastic i don't know like the, the plastic the the weapons must have been so breakable because the plastic was so thin and kind of but fuck were they detailed they looked detailed. so much like the actors yeah absolutely great would you ever mix your lord of the rings guys with like different characters from a different world Oh, yeah, because I just make up stories, you know? So if I want yeah. it, even if it is like... That's kind of like, I almost even feel like that's like, a in a weird way, every kid is a director. Yes, I think so, because that's what I'd do. I'd direct scenes, so was, even if it was like a detective in New York, I'd use Frodo because he was my fucking avatar. Yeah. So I'd then, use that action figure, you know, and then yeah. get him with Punisher or whatever and yeah. bust up a drug deal. My friend, if I was over at a friend's house... And his sister like left his Barbies lying around. That's where the my inner Larry Flint came. Out. <laughs> definitely make them. So fuck. that that's mine. Battle armor, Mary and Pippin. Those ones. Those not Frodo. Battle armor, Mary and Pippin. Frodo's my favorite character, but probably battle armor, Mary and Pippin. Because I could really, yeah. I could, I could trick myself into thinking, oh, Mary's my favorite character. Or Pippin's my favorite character. And Pippin had the Gondor armor. Mary had the Rohan. I think I was a bigger fan of Pippin. Remember that sick pterodactyl I got you? And uh, that was a great toy. Yeah, I got a big ass Jurassic Park pterodactyl. You know what? Pippin was my favorite character because I went as Pippin as Halloween one year. Fuck off! Did you really? Yes, mom made me a fucking paper mache Pippin helmet. The, really? Yes, it was the tall. Mom was the shit for like homemade costumes. Oh, so good! It was the tall Gondor helmet that like went up into a peak, like <laughs> oh, nipply. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was way back in Moe's house. Yeah, but I remember going. Do you remember as when you loved the movie The Warriors and she made you a warrior's vest? Yes, it was like one to one warrior's vest. I went as Ajax, <laughs> <laughs> the rapist character. The rapist. <laughs> so, what, what was your favorite toy action figure? You wanted I, to answer. I I think. When think about it, here's the thing: it's tough because uh, I had a I had an infinity for Batman, so I had a ton of Batman's. I had a Batman that was a medieval knight, and he had like medieval knight armor and a sword. I had Scuba Batman. I had a Batmobile. Oh, this is I kind of always I, came with the most random accessories. Yes, yes. Oh, dude, dude. Did, 
But didn't you hate R- them? But Scuba Dive and Batman had a harpoon gun. But didn't you hate how the more complex they got? Or, I or wanted, were you into I it? I always wanted a plain Batman. Yes. And I settled for whatever bullshit half side, like side character Batman they had in the store but at you, the time. But you're because with, the you're deal like was me, right? like you get to pick out a toy. Yeah. It wasn't like let's wait and find the toy you want. It was like if you want a toy, yeah, you get it today in the store. And I'm like, I want a Batman. It was like going to the movie store, picking yeah. out a movie. Yeah. I want a Batman, and there's no plain Batman, so I'm just going to have to pick. But you were like me, where you're like, you're a black and white type of guy. You like I, the characters I love my favorite. Plain. Every time I cut a customizable character as a young kid in a game, all the shit was black. All his clothes were black. Everything was black, 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 black. Every time I make a custom character, I spend so much hours, but I always make him so plain, like so normal, like me as much as I can, and <laughs> just so just basic. Always look like you. Oh, I, I, well, I spend like three hours. I spend most of my time trying to escape from my body, so I'm like, <laughs> I make my characters look like I want to look, which looks nothing like what I will look like. <laughs> it looks like a mutt, like a handsome, thin white guy with my hair, basically. <laughs> right, right. Um... So, but even though I had all those Batmans, and little, the Batmobile is tempting because I had a full size Tim Burton era. I can Batmobile. remember that playing with that once in a while, and I had like the little nipple at the front. At yeah. the front. <laughs> yeah. But I'm gonna go, and it's weird because it was like <laughs> it was another. It was a toy that was also rent like a, a model of an actor at the time, which was very more much more common in my day. Versus your day. Absolutely. He barely it had like Rambo toys. My toy shit. of Peter Pan, Robin Williams, Hook Peter Pan. No shit. So you my, had that as a toy? Yeah, I, I had I don't a, remember a that. little plastic Robin Williams oh. in his full Peter Pan outfit. And what I loved was it because Peter Pan's sword and hook to this day is my favorite sword design ever. It's like a cutlass, sword. right? Kind of like a cutlass, but the hilt was a coconut. Right. It was a coconut, and the blade was like a gold blade. Yes, yes. And it was, uh, I remember the toy had like a gold, like gold foil yeah. kind of thing with a clear coat on it. Mm-hmm. So it looked real gold and like the coconut hilt, and I loved it. Mm. And I'd get like, I'd buy specifically Batman. I remember I had a penguin. Right. Like a fat penguin from, from uh, Tim Burton era Batman. Yeah. That and I had a bunch of Spider-Man villains like Carnage and Venom and stuff. Nice. And fucking Peter Pan would kick the shit out of all those guys, dude, with his sword and his flight. Right. Fucking forget about it. It's funny because I loved Hook. I loved Hook as a kid. Oh yeah. I mean, you were definitely a Hook kid. I can remember you still going on boat Hook. You know, that was definitely one of your movies. Looking back on it now. Probably 90% of those lost boys got fucked by producers on the set of you th- Oh, you think Robin Williams <laughs> oh, was... Yeah. But Robin Williams was an OG, though. What do you mean? Robin Williams was like a real fucking dude. He was too drugged out to go with any of that bullshit. I don't think Robin Williams would have stood for that. I don't think it would have been in front of Robin Williams. I think it would have been behind the scenes. You want this You think they were hiding it from Williams? Or like uh, there's a big party. It's like how in the Fellman mm-hmm. doc, yeah. how, how it happened all the time was there were these big time producers who have these parties for child actors and if you're really cool you get to spend the night and the parents want their kids to be successful so like if they ask you to spend the night you spend the night right yeah i think that's how it happens i don't think it happens i don't think it's happening behind robin Williams. because i was going to say one thing you can trust about crazy drug addict fucking extroverts is that they'll be honest to themselves because they'll be too high to do any different so it's like 
Ooh, I can what are you trust you molesting that kid. Oh, yeah. oh, stop molesting that kid. Oh. <laughs> Robin Williams was so coked out. He would have made jokes <laughs> about fucking kids later on. You know, it's like you can't. They, those people can't hide it. That's why you know about Dennis Hopper's dirtiest secrets. It's because he was a drug addict. So most of it happened in like broad daylight because he was so fucking strung out while doing it. You know, and it's like. Yeah. At least that's what Stop my. Stop fucking that kid. Oh. Yeah, at he's least he's doing all these goofy little Robin Williamisms. His little bits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're fucking kids. My favorite Williams role, Fisher King. <laughs> <laughs> that's Fisher dead King. honest. Oh, we gotta rewatch it. You might like be the world's greatest dad, but probably Hook. I still like when I watch Hook. I want so badly for Zoe to be old enough to watch Hook and enjoy it. She can watch Hook. I don't know if she'll like it though. Oh yeah, maybe. Zoe's been much more sheltered than me and you have when we were kids from media. Yeah, probably in a good way. Like I, oh, I think our parents were way. like way too cavalier with letting us watch it. I was going to think. I think that's where my conservative for like sexuality comes because that was one thing that was always blocked from me was the boobies in movies and stuff. Yeah, that was the one thing our parents really sheltered us from was like <laughs> yeah sexy stuff. Yeah. Um. I'm trying to remember. Um, if you got nothing to go out, we we watch Jackie Brown. Yeah. Want to talk about that? Oh, dude, how good was Chris Tucker and Jackie Brown? Yeah, it was your first. I've time. I've never seen it. It's, it's your first time watching it. I love Quentin Tarantino, one of my favorite filmmakers of all time. Never seen Jackie Brown. Right. What did you think, man? Love Jackie Brown. It's hard though, because if I'm being totally honest, it might be second from the bottom of the list. Right. Yeah, as far as I it's, mean, it's but down it's there only, on my list But here's too. the thing: it is a great movie. It's just in a it's in a tough category. You know what? Third, I'd put it above Django, probably. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I put it pretty high up there. I mean, no, I put yeah, it pretty yeah, low. I put it there. above Django. I definitely put it above Django. Yeah, I'd rather rewatch it than Django anytime. I think. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah, for sure above Django. So maybe third, but it's a filmography of a director. We're talking about in, in the pantheon of Quentin Tarantino films, by the way. Yes. For people listening. Um, it's like, it was weird. Jackie Brown. I love Quentin Tarantino. I've loved him since I was a kid. It goes back to like us not being sheltered enough as children. But like, but I've, I've loved Quentin Tarantino my whole life. So it was so weird that I've never seen Jackie Brown. And so me and Max decided to watch it. And I was uh, I was really intrigued because it immediately looks completely different. It is this weird, like, it kind of, if I'm going to describe the photography, it looks like Fast Times Ridgemont High almost. It's this kind of grainy uh, film grade with, like, these blown out whites and a lot of white, a lot, a lot of white. Um, and... Uh, there's no, it was before there was like, uh, they can go into digitally and enhance colors. So the color is just kind of this muted 90s. There's a lot of like 90s malls and 90s suits. But uh, Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton being directed by Tarantino is the only time you ever see that, which was pretty incredible. Um, it was a standout role. Chris Tucker was in it for about five seconds. And he was amazing. I was so excited for his character. I was like, oh, fuck. Here we go. Chris Tucker. This is like Friday era Chris Tucker. Prime Tucker. Favorite Tucker. And then, and then spoiler alert, Samuel L. Jackson's character, awesome. 
Yeah, I was waiting for that too, and it was one of those times too where because you knew it happened, you've seen it. Yeah, I've seen Jackie Brown once or twice. Um, and like you, it's not one of my favorites. So I haven't rewatched it much. I, I it's like all those where it's like okay, like you put it up against like. I mean, fucking put it up against so many, and it's, it doesn't stand up quite as much as that. But it's a good movie. I've, it's one of those things that's ten times better than any random movie I could have picked on Netflix. And that being said, I've only watched Pulp Fiction handful of times and it's my favorite quentin movie yeah i've watched it no more than five times i have no more than five uh death proof one of my other favorite quentin movies Mm -hmm. though i've watched probably 20 20, 25 times more of a rewatchable value it's almost like we've talked about this before with podcasts we love it was the podcast we love and a new episode comes out instead of listening to it first thing like we used to back in the day when we first discovered that podcast we almost wait on it till we're in a better mood if we're in a right. shit mood or we got a headache so or, you go back to a standby that you know you love that's just comfy you go back to a podcast where it's like i can miss things in this podcast yeah. i can dip out take a shit i can think about other things and not worry about where as where if, like, if it's come town and just gang something i really like i yeah. want to be present yeah the whole podcast so um but anyways i was going to say right when and that that's Chris- like that's i feel like sorry just quickly go back yeah. that's death proof and pulp fiction i feel pulp fiction you yes. want the environment to be right everything death proof is just even though it's one of your favorites it's still just a fun wild ride more or less yeah absolutely. so it's like it's so much easier to flip on death proof and um i'm just going to quickly say it's such bad timing because we were watching the film. I was ready for you. You just met Chris Tucker. You're like, oh, Chris Tucker's in this. I'm like, yeah. And then just before he's about to fucking get killed, you get stopped and you have to go do something. So you have to pause the movie. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, fuck. That takes all the punctuation out of... It does. It really, it really neutered <coughs> because, the moment. <coughs> because um, even how fast he got killed to you, it's still 10 minutes. It was still five minutes longer. Yeah. Then uh, when I watched it the first time, and it's instantly he picks up Chris Tucker, and then it's that great shot where he just goes around the block, and the camera doesn't cut; it just pans up, and then he goes and shoots him, and it's like ten seconds. You know, it's such a fast kill, and you're like, "Oh shit!" But it's a very cinematic part of a movie that I was going to say is like, yeah, you when you go into this, you almost can tell that Quentin Tarantino was challenging himself to make a standard movie. It's mm-hmm. so unstylized, Jackie Brown. Yeah, that's. It felt like. Uh, it felt like a purposeful choice. I didn't quite feel like Quentin Tarantino a lot of the time. The yeah. only time it felt like Quentin was when Robert De Niro and Samuel Jackson's were character got together and they're just talking. Because they had classic funny dialogue that made you yeah. laugh. Because it was like two friends. Definitely together. the least funny out of any Quentin's movies, I'd say. Oh yeah, it's the most earnest. Yes, for sure. And most that's plot driven. That's it's what almost I mean. Like, it's, uh, it's not stylized, so it like even has the most weight, almost. Yeah. Lots of like double cross, triple cross, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um. Because it wasn't written by him, the story. Yeah, no, it's a Sp- he adapted the story from a screenplay book. was, and you you can almost tell when it go, it goes into a Quentin <laughs> screenplay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. in a bad way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it just gets that certain quip. You're like, oh, I like both these guys, you know? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. For example, I don't know if this was a Quentin written line, but one of my favorite part in the movies is at the very end, you know everyone, the climax is going down, Samuel's driving um, Robert Forster to meet Jackie Brown, and he, he goes in his car. 
Quentin. So they're driving, and then the Delphonics plays because Robert Forster met Jackie Brown, who likes the Delphonics, so he yeah. picked up a cassette tape. Samuel Jackson turns to him and goes, oh, shit, man. I didn't know you liked the Delphonics. Almost in a way that makes you think like... Oh, he, he he's not even going to kill him now because he's yeah, so because yeah, 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 he's yeah. so impressed that he likes the Delphonics. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, like yeah, bonding yeah. with him over music, you yeah. know. That was another thing I and dated the movie is like, like when they're in the cassette store. All right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It it definitely um, looks like a late '90s movie mm-hmm. in the film stock and everything. Yeah. But in that way where it was perfect, you can tell it's director trying to go outside his boundaries and just make a technically sound movie. But what's crazy to me is he goes from Jackie Brown and the next movie he makes. Kill Bill. It's Kill Bill, which is like such a vastly different movie in every single way. Kill Bill is overrun with style. Kill Bill. That's what he... That's what Quentin decides to put, with style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when he decides to put the pedal to the metal and is like, this is my style. This is like, yeah, this is like very nice, a nice little incubation period before he hits Inglorious Bastards where I feel like he is, that's where he becomes almost like a cliche of right. like Inglorious Bastards. Yes. The three movies after Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious Bastards. Django and... Um, the western yes hateful eight hateful eight they're all they're all they're so similar in style and feel yeah they're he's like ah this is a quentin tarantino this is a quentin self-referential yeah and like and the even just the cinematography and the editing and yeah absolutely there's like isms in it, like quentin tarantino isms in it and that's kind of what i loved about once upon a time in hollywood is he kind of pulled back from that yeah he kind of went back to some of his old yeah roots yeah. You know, it's like some of it's old fucking... It's more pulp... It's like way more Pulp Fiction-y feeling than anything else. Oh, yeah, absolutely. More closely related. Yeah. We're talking about before, when we were watching Jackie Brown, top three Quentin, I went Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. What about you? What was yours? Pulp, yours is- pulp Fiction, Death Proof, probably Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, yeah. Yeah, totally. Um. Yeah, I love Death Proof. Death Proof is amazing. That's also Death Proof is opposite of Jackie Brown, where it's director trying to go completely out of his style, make a technically good movie to Death Proof, where he was going outside of his style. He's to not make even a concerned about. He's trying yeah. to make a technically bad movie. He's trying to replicate a grindhouse movie. A grindhouse movie to the T. Like, but replicate a good experience watching a grindhouse movie, where he's trying oh, to I capture mean, everything that's great about the grindhouse. He's still making movie. a good film, but it's technically shit. Yeah, it's technically you know, it, it doesn't abide by any sort of actual legit structure or no. He he completely rips yeah. off seventy movies that were going before structure. He's, yeah, yeah, you know, in a way that makes it seem uh, cheeky in the perfect way. I mean, it's still a good solid movie. I think you know yeah, all the yeah, way yeah. throughout. Like, I still think it's a solid movie. Yeah, but it's technically the worst movie out of them all. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I can see that. I mean, I mean, it has, I know what you mean. I know what yeah. you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it even has intentional cuts. Where it's like, if he was an unknown director and he just turned this in, it has an intentional. It wouldn't pass. Yeah, it's too mu- cheeky. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but I fucking love Death Proof. Yeah, no doubt. So you've been playing games a lot. Oh, I've been doing nothing but, but diving games? in to games. Um, I just got Skyrim on Switch. I'm fucking loving that. 
Yeah. That's a game. That game to me has so much replay value. I've played Skyrim Absolutely. so much in my life. It's kind of crazy how good that game's been. I mean, that's one of the stepping stones of the Elder Scrolls. Do you think it's going to go down as maybe the most famous, impactful game in the Elder Like all the Elder Scrolls games that will ever be made? I hope not. I hope the next one out does it. Oh, I hope. Words. What's it called? It's not called Elsewhere. It's called God's um, Butt, and it's all about each. <laughs> it's like Oblivion, where there's portals, but it's God's Butthole. Yeah, they released the name already, uh, or maybe they just released. This, I don't know if it has a subtitle, but um, no, I hope the next one fucking trumps it ten times better. Oh, of course, I do too. But fuck, Skyrim's good. I don't know how you Skyrim fall. has been fucking going for ten years straight. Yeah, it's so good and that it's 10 strong. years old and Nintendo Switch has the balls to charge you $80 for it. I couldn't believe that. <laughs> like, I don't even buy new games game, at $80. Games like, the game came out like a console ago. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, Oh, I I buy games the second day at like 50% off. A new, a, new, a new game comes out the second day it's like 50 bucks. <laughs> I don't know how they're... I know how they're doing it because it's... Nintendo and they're like this game's no, not normally no, on Nintendo. No, because it's Skyrim, man. Because it's a fucking yeah. good fucking game. Yeah. No yeah. matter if you look at it today through a today through a ten year lens and like try to bash everything you hate about it because you're so used to it, you can't deny that feeling that it gave you. Yes. You can't deny what feeling it can give you of just wanting to put yourself, immerse yourself into a fantasy world and be yes. that. Yes. Because it's such an open, it's such a token fantasy. Not token as in like token, like as in like a token person, as in like a token element, but token as in like Tolkien, J.R.R. Tolkien, yeah, yeah. where it's classic fantasy of yeah, that yeah. style, you know, orcs. It's it's hard fantasy where it's like yes, orcs very, and shit. It's everything you want out of a fantasy. With a hard lore, books, you know, it's intelligent. It's vast enough to where yes. you can play it for years and then still run into new shit that you haven't ran into. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's kind of nice. Yeah. Like one thing you could do just to freshen the game up is instead of fast travel once you've done it enough, just walk from place to place and just try and experience It's a much that. funner game with walk. Yeah, yeah, because then it's like you you run into so many so much shit. Because that's how Oblivion was, and yeah. I have so much almost fonder memories of Oblivion. Running Oblivion's into, great because it's so much more free than Skyrim. It's mysterious. You kill anybody. Yes, and it's you mysterious. Yeah. You know, like the vampire when you. That's probably three years into Oblivion when I first found out there are vampires in the game. My first experience of Oblivion. I'll let you finish your story. No, actually. that was it. That was it. That was it. I was playing. Rounds was playing on his PC, and we got like an hour into it, and we're just like, we're gonna stay up all night. I'm gonna watch you play Oblivion, and then some character was like, "Follow me," and it was an important story arc character. Yeah. And he goes to follow them. They're supposed to walk up a set of stairs, mm -hmm. and instead they walk through the stairs and past a wall in the game. Yeah, class. And he can't get to them. And it glitches the game out so bad that you just got to start from the beginning. I'm like, I'm just going to go home. <laughs> <laughs> and I hated Oblivion. And afterwards, I liked it. Like, I got into it. But, like, I just remember being like, fuck that game. <laughs> right. I'm, uh... Yeah, I'm definitely excited for the next one. Because, honestly, I'm not that much into Nordic um, mythology. Yeah, Nordic, That that's the part of the game that's not that interesting to me. I would no. love it if it was closer to, like, a... Yeah, what kind of... What... I mean, obviously, for me, like the class. I mean, this is a cliche. Another, another question, though: What kind of mythology are you into? Man? I was just gonna say, like, the cliche shit, like 
It's the kind of character I try making those kind of universes all the time. It never works out because they don't have any armor, but like a piratey right. character. Okay, yeah, like a. Yeah, I get you. A fucking, what's that? Like, like a, a Barbados coast. Like, like rag muffin clothes, curvy swords. But I mean, kind of what. Shit. Okay, mythology. So that would be like. I mean, that's kind of a, like pirate timesy. Pirates yeah, of the Caribbean that's mythology. Type, like, type mythology. Yeah, that old would be English. my ideal. Because, I mean, when you talk about mythology, like that old you want in a game. Yeah, yeah. Like, when you talk about mythology you want in a game, what you're really talking about is what aesthetic do you want? Over, I mean, I mean, over top of the game. I was talking about all what time. What skin do you favorite want? Favorite mythology. Like, what's a time in the world that makes you fucking I love Western mythology. But yes. I don't like guns and games. So that's why I feel like I like the, that you like North American mythology. Where yeah, I like Western. I like the idea, the aesthetic of Western mythology is really great. But as far as gameplay goes, I much prefer a bow and arrow, swords kind of gameplay versus a guns kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah, I get you. Um, pirate mythology though. So that's why pirate mythology is right there, and it's just growing up with like the rock and roll aesthetic, loving Bowie and loving the new york dolls and the stones right. it just falls into that and now it's been because of the pirates of the caribbean movies it's become like cliche and lame to I'm like that shit but i kind of like it more now that it's cliche and lame because it's not cool anymore but i'm trying to i kind of prefer that it's kind of like i like johnny depp way more than i ever liked johnny depp when he's popular because now everyone thinks he sucks so i'm like we now i like johnny depp even more because he's not the popular choice you can go back listen to the podcast we were with johnny depp day one Day yeah. one, we were fucking complaining about that tape. With Depp heads. <laughs> oh, yeah. Day one, we were like, he was smashing his cupboards kind of hard. He was closing his cupboards kind of hard. Yeah. Um, you just opened one. You got one up there. Yeah, I know. Um, I was just going to say, though, uh, I'm trying to think of what mythology pirates followed. Because they believed in, like, Davy Jones and shit. Almost closer to like a Cthulhu thing. Like, like a... I think it was almost African, though, their mythology. Cause oh, like, like their because they sailed in like, like let's say Pirates of the Caribbean. That's like yeah. African shit. So I think that's but it's also English. Yes, because pirates were also old English. Yes, yeah, yeah, and they would yeah. fight the English. Yeah, yeah, but it's like, but the English as far as the monsters like Davy Jones Eng and stuff, it's like uh, were the English Christian Lovecraftian? Yeah, absolutely. But were the English Christian? I think so. Old English or were yeah. they Catholic? I don't. I don't know. I have no idea. But to um, me, it's so similar. Yeah. That it's like almost like a mute point. As, okay. far as, as far as gameplay goes. Yeah. Would it be like, would that be like jungles then? No. I'm the thinking, when I, when I think pirates. pirates, I think like Pirates of the Caribbean Pirates where it's like old English towns. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. I get yeah. you. That's cool. That's so. I like that. Yeah. So you're like a civilized almost. Yeah, for sure. You hate any sort yeah. of like Greek mythology or anything like that? I've been playing a lot of No, this. I love I love that kind of stuff too. I just like the aesthetic of the pirate. Right. Really when it comes to mythology, I'm not even really into it in a deep way. Right. I just like to me the mythology is it might as well just be the wardrobe. Yeah, yeah, in a certain way. Yeah, absolutely. I you know? Yeah. Like what about you? In a game, what kind of mythology you like? In a game or just in general? In a game. And specifically in a video game, you're playing a game. What kind of skin do you want over the game? What kind of feel? Uh, I wish, you keep, I'm going to listen to you. I'm just going to run the washroom again. Uh, I wish games would explore more with mythologies. Um, they don't much. The only games that do it are kind of weird. And they're like Assassin's Creed explores with mythology a lot. I've been playing. It goes the whole it, thing, isn't it? Because like different games have a different mythology to 
Yeah, exactly. Like the latest Assassin's Creed I've been playing during this quarantine, Assassin's Creed uh, Odyssey, is about the Greek mythology. Um, and it's fantastic. It's great. Uh, you know, your father is like Pythagoras and shit. You're meeting up with Socrates and dumb shit like that. But uh, all the locations and everything are spot on. And they do put some actual real history in there that you can learn, you know? Just some cool little tidbits and almost facts and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, it's a fun-ass fucking game. Um, I've been loving that. But my favorite mythology overall... <sighs> a year ago? And it's gotta be now. I'd probably say, like... Haiti voodoo mythology. Okay, like the game. African yeah, gods and like shit. Like in that, uh, what's that one game you showed me the trailer for? Like that kind of thing? Uh, no. I meant like overall mythology. I yeah. like, like, um. Like, oh, no, just in games. You're talking about in life. Yeah, in life. I like, like, African mythology. Like, um, down south, New Orleans coming back from fucking Black Is that why, like, uh, uh, True Detective Season 3 really spoke to you? Because it's like. Oh, definitely. And I love Vietnam, too. <laughs> I love, I yeah, love so it's like the two more. Thing, your, yeah. two, your favorite war with your favorite mythology. What yeah. games have you been playing, though, lately? Um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. That's the one that focuses on Greek mythology and everything. Oh, okay. It's the first Assassin's Creed I've played in a long time. I replayed three recently. Mm -hmm. um, that was that was about the North. That was about the one in North America, about the Native American that right. you play as. I wanted to play that because I was kind of into Does, like seeing something about... Native American culture. Right. Is there an Assassin's Creed that takes place in modern times at all where you're a modern day assassin? Every one of the games has modern day settings, but no. No, right, right. Because you're kind of psychically going into yeah, your ancestors' past in the game. Do you yeah. think there'll ever be a game where they just straight up like, fuck it, you're a modern day assassin? Uh, no, because every other game I feel like does that. I feel like you can play Hitman. I was going to say, like... <laughs> you know, where I feel like Assassin's Creed is one of the only games where it actually takes you back to a time. Right. Mafia 2 was great at that. Mafia 2 is probably one of my favorite games of all time, too. But that Wouldn't it be great if Mafia was a video game version of the parody movie Mafia? Oh, Jane Austen's <laughs> Mafia? <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> you have a character that's playing, uh, what's his name, uh... Oh, what the main is character, that comedian, fuck. Jay Moore. Jay Moore, the Jay Moore character mm -hmm. you're playing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jay Moore, fuck. Oh, what a what a dude. That's yeah. good, dude. I wonder if anyone likes him. I know, like every, his down. No, I, I don't mean, think so. I mean, genuinely like him because everyone is fine with him. Everyone talks yeah. about him like he's a guy. They don't want him dead. I no, wonder if he has I mean, any like, genuine Kreischer friends. talked about how he was just like a piece of shit to him. Right. Like he was sort of a mentor to Kreischer, but one of those guys who was like, be genuinely shitty. Like he'd make him like smuggle drugs and stuff on planes because he didn't want to. Like, so no, he does Almost like a Joffrey character of stand-up right. comedy. So he probably doesn't have any genuine friends. I don't think so. That I makes think, sense. I think he's one of those guys that's just kind of shitty to be around. That makes sense. So he, he looks hasn't, like it. hasn't developed like a hardcore group of friends that love him. Yeah. He's a better actor than he is comedian. Yeah, yeah, he's just an impressionist as a comedian. Yeah. As a comedian, he steals jokes. Yeah. So fuck him. Yeah, so fuck yeah, Jay this Moore. This is officially the oh. anti-Jay Moore podcast. Yeah, too bad he's a better actor than a comedian because he's not going to get fucking hired anytime soon. Yeah, Who gotcha. the fuck's going to hire Jay Moore fuck for a new Jay movie? Fuck Jay Moore. I hope Jay Moore gets fucked. 
Hey, with you know COVID what? You know what? In his face. I'll be like the fucking. I'll be like the Boondocks director, man. If it's my Fuck first movie, I, I, and, I, and I only get an offer from Jay Moore to, as a playing lead, I'm saying, fuck Jay Moore. Fuck that punk. I don't like him. You I don't like his attitude. That joke. You gotta explain why that joke's good. Nah. You gotta watch. Uh, what's Over, the movie? Overnight, it's called. Overnight. But and in it, the movie, uh, we've talked about it in the past, uh, yeah, the director yeah. of Boondock Saints is getting offers from directors. and he gets It's off. his first movie, which is the funniest part. He's yeah, it's so a movie cocky. from rag to riches. He literally is like... It was, it was happening big in the 90s. He was like Tarantino, where it's like, you're living off nothing. You know, he was a bouncer at a fucking club. He literally shipped a script out. The script, every every writer's dream, the script gets picked up. He gets off for millions of dollars. He's, he signed a directing deal, right? So he's this big shot guy now, and he's fucking, it all goes to his head. It's hilarious. And he's getting offers from directors that want to... Or actors, you mean. Actors, sorry. He's getting offers from uh, actors that want to work that want to be part of the movie and he gets an uh, offer from Keanu Reeves probably the biggest name right now yeah. which is hilarious someone who's consistently been huge throughout his career ah uh, no people riffed on him early in his career do you remember oh, that? oh yeah they shit on him but in he's like never, the early 2000s but he's never hit a, a lull where he's never been not I always successful liked him. it's never been like broke Keanu no. Reeves and right now I mean, everyone loves him. I mean, Dog, he's Star, a Dog Star was rough. He's he's <laughs> he's a meme right now. He's so huge. You know, yeah, yeah, everyone yeah, yeah. loves fucking uh, Riff Raff, whatever it's called. John yeah. Wick. John Wick is Riff Raff. <laughs> um, he offers him a role. And he's like, I don't want to work with Keanu. I think he's a fucking punk. He's a fucking dweeb. I'll never work with him in my fucking life. And you're just looking at this first time guy who's never directed a frame yet. Especially, like, we watched it in like 2008. And by that time, he was already irrelevant, broke joke. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the director, not Keanu. Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, the director. And the documentary yeah. ends with his career ending too, pretty much. You yeah, know? he makes oh, barely strings together the movie. He releases it, gets no money from it, and he has to go back to, like, being a security guard. You know what? I'll meet with Jay Moore. If Jay Moore is a prick in the meeting, though, he can bet I'm tossing his ass outside. I remember there's. I'm going weird... to throw him... I mean, you know what? I'm going to throw him a harsh one, too. I'm going to say, Farley never loved you, and Sandler doesn't cast you in his movies because you weren't even a friend to Sandler. There we go. And I'm going to kick him out of my Shots meeting. Shots fired, Jay Moore. There's, I, I, I remember there's a weird story, because Burt Kreischer tells, like, horror stories about him. About how horror... Really? He, Bert, Did Burt Kreischer, like, work? He literally... He would open for him. him. He stole that Tracy Morgan story. He stole that from him. What Tracy Morgan story does There's he tell? There's a classic Tracy Morgan story that Joe... That Burt tells on Joe Rogan back... Way back in the day. About how Tracy Morgan tricked Burt Kreischer into thinking he smoked PCP. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's just like... he go, They go to this bar and he's buying everyone drinks and... And it was a restaurant and yeah. buying everyone food and drinks. He's really loud and he rips his shirt off and then they throw him out. Yeah. And, and then the big punchline is like, that's how you get out of paying a check or something like that. It was like this big story. And uh, he told that to Jay Moore. And mm-hmm. because Jay Moore has a great Patrice or has a great uh, Tracy Morgan impression. Yeah. Jay's like, can I tell that story on stage? And he's like, sure. And he'd always credit Jay or credit Burr on stage. Like, this is my friend's story. This happened to my friend not me and he tells the story nice. and then later on he just started telling it like it happened to him and just kind of started taking the story yeah i and, don't i don't blame him for that how long i know because it was like one of those things where bird asked him to stop telling it that way oh okay yeah and, yeah and then bird started telling it on stage and jay's like hey that's kind of my bit now even though it happened to bird it was just one of those things but also like jay did a lot of shit to uh bird kreischer like he was just really shitty to him 
and, and he always gets made fun of by people. They always throw him shade, you know? Yeah. But anyways, Bert was telling yeah, horror yeah. stories. But also, uh, there's, I mean, just like, just going my own memory breaks back when I used to listen to, uh, the Smodcast podcast network a lot back in the day. There's a classic story. This weird, and this is like this kind of to me details what kind of person Jay Moore is. Yeah, where Ming Chen was talking about how they were doing some sort of live show with Jay Moore, and Ming had to go facilitate like the technical aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And he's going to visit Jay in a, his hotel room, and he like purposely just leaves the door open like takes a piss in front of ming just to kind of like assert dominance and stuff mm-hmm. it, it was weird and then he left smodcast in like an unceremoniously way he was kind of shitty about it you right. know how do people not react in those situations and take control i think ming is so used to being walked on by people and that was like kind of his job for a while how that- do you not walk in and laugh at the motherfucker for pissing out the door open and was- immediately humiliate him louis ck talked about how uh, he was sat next to him on a plane. He always kind of hated him because he kind of was this young guy who kind of got everything off to him immediately. It's Shay Moore. I don't think you have to uh, explain why he's hateable. I think yeah. he kinda, I think you say the name, yeah. and without even knowing who we're even talking about by picture, yeah. you can tell he's a yeah. And he was talking about sitting next jock. to him on the plane, and he's like, whatever. And then uh, Jay Moore just like does this thing where he's like. Is it cold in here? And he looks down. Jay Moore like whipped his dick out in the plane, and Louis just like I just don't, just don't care for people. <laughs> Lucy kids like I just don't care for people to do shit like that. <laughs> I just kind of hated him after that. I like how Louis doesn't he doesn't like people who whip their dicks out. He just like it's just not funny. I don't know. I don't know the guy. Is that was that said on his new special? No, that's, that, that's no, even, that was said on Opie and Anthony years ago. Because that's even funnier with modern context. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not like people whip their dick out. But that's yeah. what I was going to tell you quickly as you watch the new Louis C.K. special. It's fantastic. I got you a fucking... You paid Sweet for. Link. You paid for. And, I um, bought it with like $7, $8. How was it, though? It was amazing. It was really... It was like a nice slow start where it was like... It was almost like, oh, he's getting older. It was like the jokes were still just as funny, but he's way less energy. Right. He dresses it, I imagine. Oh, yeah, of course. Does that directs, produces it, everything. But then the last half is just straight up classic Louis C.K. fire. Just funny as fuck. Yeah. Addresses everything in the last half in a really funny way. You said you were howling. Yeah, I was howling, like catching my breath. Just like classic C.K. thing. It's talking about how he is a... The one bit that I... I mean, I'm going to ruin it, but whatever. Just go watch the special. It's amazing. But he has this bit about how he... He moved to France for a while because he was just like, fuck, fuck, because he had to get the fuck away from everything. Yeah. <laughs> Roman Polanski trick. Yeah, and to move to France. He's like, if there was another planet to move to, I would have done that. And then I uh, fell in love with a French girl. And he's talking about little differences between <laughs> Europeans and, and Americans. And he's like, in Europe, they all take their temperature in the ass. <laughs> He's just like, one day she had a, she's like, I'm not feeling good. And he brought her a thermometer and he came back in the room. There's a thermometer sticking out of her ass. I don't know. I get, but there's way more to the joke, but it was just such a great joke. Yeah. And then, uh, uh, he's talking, when he addresses it, it's really good. A really good bit about addressing it where he's just talking about, it's like, you know how fucking embarrassing and horrible it is where everyone knows your thing your weird thing that you like the whole world he's like he's like obama knows what my thing is 
<laughs> Obama opened the paper one day. He's like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's good. It goes on and on, but it's, yeah. Oh, it's, that's it's, great. It, dude, it was so good. And I think it's a genius move to release a special now because any other time, fucking... I think he's the woke to... blogosphere would be like Louis releases a special and they would pick oh, apart no every little doubt. thing about every little thing that they would find uh, objectionable objective every little thing they didn't like about the special they would rip it apart they would find reasons to call him misogynist and they would it would be a big controversy as yeah. soon as you and he's like he managed to find a, a spot in time where he could release a special and uh woke sjw's don't have time or the airspace to rip into the special they're just like the poor and the entertainers will thrive during times where society breaks down yeah well because it's like no one gives a shit about woke woke culture anymore Mm. and no one cares about. i really hope he wins a lot of people back from this special honestly i really do man it's the best chance he'll get yeah it's the best chance he'll get to have a fair shot at releasing a good special i think it's fucking crazy that it's kind of genius timing who, when you think who about in 2020 right now or let's say three months ago in january when the special even wasn't released when covid wasn't a thing who in january 2020 hated louis ck like what kind of a mindset do you have to have where you're like you didn't understand the context of this story and everything and then you're yeah, like well, especially what when a you realize like like how he ignorant- asked their permission and they said yes and then he did it it was you know like I mean? when, it was like when Quentin Tarantino sucked that girl's feet. Yeah, they more said it as like a gossip thing, and it turned into this whole. Yeah. Um. But I mean, besides that, like, how ignorant and do everything do you have to be? And like, who was holding that hate in their heart in January 2020, causing them further chance of cancer with this just negative stress and negative, negative energy, energy yeah. that they were like Louis C.K. Fuck him. It's just like uh, people got to smarten up. Yeah, and I think hopefully this whole fucking crazy COVID thing will make people relax a little bit. You realize what's like really important, like yeah. But like I said, the poor entertainers we know already, so we're fucking as a poor entertainer, best of both worlds. I'm like, oh, economy and everything's just coming down to my level. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Everyone, uh, thank you. Everyone's broke now. Yeah. yeah, everyone knows what it's like to be me. Yeah, no one's better than me now. That's kind of, kind of how you, I definitely would would feel about it way back in the day. I'm just like, I just want this town to burn. Like yeah, when I was su- when I was super poor, and I was just like, I don't know. It's not even that, but it's just like I want everyone to feel like I know how I'll I feel have every more day. opportunities. Versus immature and shitty, but it's kind of how I felt back yeah. in the day for sure. But even that, I feel like I I know I have more opportunities now, for sure. You know, yeah, yeah. because everything's more in my pay level. Yeah, gas is down insanely oh is it at christmas it was like a dollar something mm-hmm. it's 85 cents really yeah interesting gas is down an insane amount yet webcams are up try to buy a webcam from aaron he's like the cheapest he could find was like 150 dollars for a webcam that's because technology is taking over right and everyone's i feel like webcams like 90s technology though i'm like what? oh that's the weird thing is that like everyone has an old shitty webcam yeah i think it'd be like Except 20 us. bucks <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think this is a solid app, man. I think it's a good. Yeah, we've been going for a while. Yeah, hour and a half. I think it's perfect. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys for listening again. Absolutely. Something to entertain you guys through all this. Uh, and yeah, come back. Come up with an actual sign off. Yeah, we'll be back though. Uh, I want to get Daco on the next episode. Yeah. 
So yeah, love you guys, brothers and sisters. Keep real.